ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello and welcome to the show. Reminder, if you can't listen live, then you can check out Don't Ask Me to Talk, the podcast on Podcast One, Spotify, Google, I don't know, just wherever your favorite podcasts are. You can also text DAMTT55 to the number 55678 and you'll get details. Please text that number. I'm spending this like money on this great service and I really want to get the word out. So do it. Do it for me. Um, if you want to call into the show, the number is 425-373-5527. You can also find me through my website, stacyconnects.com. So my guest today was supposed to be uh, a family friend, Joe Meek. Hey, Joe. Uh, however, he was called into a meeting, and as he says, they hold uh, financial influence over him, and so he had to cancel last minute. So instead, and of course, no offense to Joe, I have an even better guest, and that would be Eric. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Eric. When you said we were going to chat, I, I just thought it, it would be an extended ranted ramble oh, no. for the show. I didn't oh, know I was officially you're, the guest. You're the guest. But uh, okay, I'm honored to be here. Oh, I'm here every week. I know. Like, you have no I'm choice. I'm still honored. <laughs> so. so, very excited. I know that probably Mom and Lee and Diane are probably thrilled. Uh, you and I talked about the idea that I could run. Um, I have an episode with James O'Neill, and we discussed uh, the Yankees and mentors and things like that. And so we had talked about running that. But I was like, no, this is a moment. Mom is going to want to want to hear live and she will love hearing from you so well, well speaking of that they can catch that episode about the yankees uh thursday that's set to drop as a bonus episode so perfect you know, you know it's a good chance to plug that perfect <laughs> so. thank you for that yeah i have um, a couple bonus episodes that i've been doing last week um I had the episode that came right on the tails of my episode with Dr. Busy Riley. Um, that episode was called uh, Live Like a Give a Damn. And then um, right after that, we had Maria Bartlow on the show, and uh, she talked about aging with relevance. So naturally, that show was entitled Age Like You Give a Damn. Um, and that one was a bonus episode that you can only hear if you find the podcast. Um, so speaking of episode guests. I have been trying to get this group of knuckleheads um, called the Boys of Summer. So Will, our son, um, he and in particular three of his friends were this tight-knit group of boys basically in the same neighborhood and really started being friends in like, I want to say, third grade, fourth grade, something like that, and are still friends. Uh, they're scattered all over the place. Kyle is in, like, the, I think he's in the Chicago area. Uh, Trevor and Corey are both in um, Arizona, and Will, of course, is in California. Well, 
I mentioned to them that I want to get together with them and have and do an episode with the boys of summer. And so we have decided that we're going to do one of these bonus episodes the day after Thanksgiving. And it's going to have to go straight to podcast because inevitably there will be content that is not okay for radio. Um, Because I thought about playing with them like never have I ever and I could get all kinds of information from them. Because, you know, it'll be a drinking game, you see. Um, Right. And these are guys that always tried to get away with things and they never could because my mind was frankly always way more devious than theirs could ever be. And so I always managed to stay one step ahead of them. Or so I think. So this is my moment. They're now all 22, 23, and um, now the truth can come out. So I'm excited about that. Um, Now, exciting news for my family. My sister-in-law, Skye, who's the artist, is now being uh, represented by Chase Contemporary, which is a museum that is both in New York City and they also have an outposting in, I think it's the Hamptons, and they have connections all over the place. And so, Are they a subsidiary of the bank? They are not. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think that there's a family connection. I think the, the guy that owns it or is one of the main partners, I think his name is Bernie Chase. Um, I may be wrong. I might have to look that up. Um, but it's a big deal to have um, to get represented by Chase Contemporary. Mm. And um, they absolutely love Sky's work. They've created an awesome deal. Um, she is going to be able to show with them both stateside as well as like in the UK. Um, and it's just so much more exposure. I believe that she gets to go to Art Basel, which is in Miami. Um, that's the art show where a couple of years ago somebody stuck a banana on the wall with duct tape and was like, it's art. And it sold for like a bajillion dollars. I, is there a day or a year when we're going to get past this stunt art thing? I mean, I feel like it's okay, haha. Ha. <laughs> well, it's, it's happened, and now we can all go, okay, that's just stupid now, right? <laughs> and move on. Well, and, and the thing no is. No offense, banana guy. But right. Well, and it's, it's so art is you subjective. Do you. <laughs> right. So art is subjective, right? So there's the, sure. the story about how John, Leno, John Lennon and Yoko Ono met. Supposedly, she was showing at a gallery. She had in the middle of her exhibit a ladder with an apple at the top. He apparently climbed up the ladder and took a bite out of the apple. Um, and so I don't know if that's true or if it's some variation, but it's this whole idea of being provocative, doing something that hasn't been done before. So, I mean, on the one hand, I get it. Like artists are always trying to push the boundaries and and all of that. I respect that. And a banana with duct tape just seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and there was a guy, I think, in Scandinavia recently that uh, a, a museum, I think, or some curators paid him, you know, like a fee commissioning a piece of art. And he said, me taking the money was the art. <gasps> yeah, you know, and I feel wow. like, OK, that's great. You got away with that. But wow, can we as a society just go enough already? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I do feel like artists 
are and not to derail too much. No, 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 no. This saying. is this is it's what just this when is... you mentioned the banana thing. It no, just made me this think, is great. Yeah. I, are you kidding? I love this stuff. So, I feel like coming from a long line of artists in my family, my grandfather painted. I have so many of his paintings in um, our house, which I adore, and it's amazing. Like. There are some that I found that I'm like, oh, I never really paid attention to this. My tastes have changed. Um, my dad, he painted. He was also primarily a photographer. Um, my brother, Peter, he paints, um, or paints rather, he takes photographs. And my brother, Jay, he would say that he's not artistic. He is. He can doodle like nobody's business um, and do sketches. And if he really focused, he could. Um, and my mom is also creative the way she sets a table, the way that she dresses herself, the way that she decorates a space, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, oh, and also my uncle. My uncle, I would say, is an artisan. Um, He does a lot of gorgeous woodworking and things like that, very tactile things. So anyway, my point being, it seems like artists are meant to put something into the world, to create something. Right. So All that stuff takes effort and energy and talent uh for it to be good right. putting a banana on the wall does not take any of those things or just taking, or taking a check. money yeah right not doing anything like like the taking the money thing i'm like you're not supposed to take you're supposed to it's i i, I get that it's con artist but <laughs> uh-huh. i see what you did there it just seems like we're, we're seeing more of these cons you know rather than right. artists right and, Which, speaking of that, perfect segue. It's like you knew this. So interestingly, and I won't mention any names. So you, when you know somebody that is an artist by profession, it's what they do. They're not, you know, like um, working at Starbucks and they're like, but by night I'm a singer or, you know, like I'm an artist. Sky, she works her craft. She has been working her craft for years and years and years. This is what she does. And... So she was showing at a... Yeah, and we should in no way lump her in with any of those people. She's the real deal. Yeah, right. right. And thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, So she was represented by a gallery also in New York and had a contract that, you know, you sign the contract and your work's going to be repped and you give paintings to this place and they can display some, they can loan some, I believe, they can uh, keep some in storage, whatever. So... Of course, that contract expired during the pandemic. Now, so many things happened during the pandemic. Things went on hold. Life basically was on a giant pause. And so while they went back and forth, they never signed a new contract. They just sort of left it where it was. So when Sky had this opportunity to go and or to be represented by Chase Contemporary, she's not under an existing contract. Well person that was representing her prior basically said we still have a contract you need to let me know x amount of days in advance they tried to go in with the police to get her work because it's her work uh they moved her paintings um you know this is like i want to say upwards of 25 30 pieces of art um you know this is her life's work it would be like somebody taking you know, that much of your career and absconding with it. And it's these 
details that I, you know, you have no idea if you're not in this business. I mean, that's true of any business when you get to see a little bit behind the curtain. Um, but it, it is just amazing the the frustrations that artists must go through to own their art. It gives me a better appreciation for artists wanting to be paid if their music is streamed or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, you know, when I do my work, it could take me five minutes to come up with a design for somebody, but it's taken me 51 years in five minutes. It's a whole culmination of my career. And in the case of Sky, her paintings take hours, hours and hours and hours. Go to skykim.net um, and you can see her work. And it is unbelievable. Um so anyway, it's it's super exciting. However, it is tinged by some frustration and it just it brought to my awareness something that I prior to this really didn't know about. I don't know. It's it's a bummer. I need some good news in my life right now. <laughs> I'm like the world needs some good news I, right? in our lives. Yeah. Like this is the thing that I I keep saying and this goes back to what we were talking about Eric with artists like giving versus taking I realized that in order for the world to get good news we all need to like create good news um however I just feel like we need collectively a win you know something good um I am thankful that I have survived a pandemic and this weekend I survived a bomb cyclone <laughs> So, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, And it did lead to my house getting organized. If you listen to the show with any regularity, you know that I had my kitchen remodeled recently. And that creates all kinds of, um, like, issues and, and craziness and disorganization. So we spent a lot of time putting things into place. And I will tell you, I never knew that organizing systems and bins and storage containers were like my porn it is like it is amazing to go on to like the container store or to go onto these sites where everything is just all organized it, it gives you this false sense that like if you too spend thousands and thousands of dollars and put your things into other things your life will be so neat yeah it's a lie but it's a pretty lie so, um, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. You got anything to say to that? <laughs> well, no, just yeah. You, you mentioned that it's your porn, and then you talk about putting things into other things, and I was like, whoa, oh, <laughs> I didn't know where we were going. You're there. right. <laughs> wow. See, somebody listens closely to the show. <laughs> well, it's all, it's you know, okay. that's let's, what she said. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, yes, we will. Um, so, of course, all of these things then also led to me finally placing art in the spaces that have been completed. And so here's what happened. I'm going through a whole bunch of art and trying to make decisions about what to keep and what not to keep. And and it's hard when you have family art. So, for instance, I had my dad went through a stage um, uh, where he did a lot of uh, David Hockney-esque paintings, the collages specifically. And he did a collage photograph of uh, something called Barnegat Mall, which is in Maine. And the picture, the matting was in bad shape. It had some stains on it. It just wasn't in good shape. And I tried lifting up the collage as a whole and removing it from the matting. And it just was not going to 
to transfer well. So I finally said, this is ridiculous. We're just going to throw it away. That was Sunday. Monday morning, I am awakened to the sound of glass shattering all over the floor in our bathroom. And I thought that maybe Pete had, like, had a heart attack and, like, crashed against the bathroom door. Good news. That is not what happened. A picture from um, of me from high school that my dad had taken, which was on the wall, fell to the ground and the glass shattered everywhere. So my first instinct was, oh, Matt, dad's mad. <laughs> my dad is deceased, by the way. Um, and I thought, oh, dad's mad that I threw away that picture. And then I decided I don't believe in a God that's punishing. I don't believe in a father that is punishing. That is not like that's baggage. That's just me thinking negatively. So I thought, okay, I got to figure out there's like a message here because that picture has been there pretty much since the day that we moved in and we've never had an issue. So Eric has heard the story. I did my thinking in the shower where I always do my thinking and this voice keeps going through my head that's saying um, basically out with the old Stacy, out with the old Stacy. And as I have said, punctuation matters. Is it like out with the old, comma, Stacy, or is it out with the old Stacy? I don't know, but that's the message that comes through my head. So I won't bore you with the specifics of pulling out a pendulum because I'm sure there's lots of people that don't believe these things. I wouldn't believe it if I haven't done it and seen it and used it myself. However, basically what I came down to is that the message was definitely from my dad. And it was a message of out with the old Stacy. And that it was his way of saying, you can break up with all of these things that you think that you need to hold on to for me or for your grandfather or your grandparents in general or your mother or expectations or, you know, who you are. And that it was in a weird way, a thumbs up about the direction that I'm going in in my home, in my relationships, and my work. So I've chosen to think that. That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good stuff. Um, and then my Stacyism for the week, try to listen more than you speak. You have two ears and only one mouth. Of course, this is not working for me. Um, <laughs> however, um, also a reminder to listen, especially based on this situation with that photograph and whatever try to listen with more than just your ears listen with your gut and listen with your other senses because things are not always what they seem so okay Whew. okay ready for a break let's take a break all right when we come back eric and i are going to talk and he doesn't know what i'm going to ask about so keep listening to don't ask me to talk with stacy heller Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling counseling.com. 
Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. During the break, I did a little uh, fact check. And it is Chase Contemporary that was founded by Bernie Chase. Um, So I just wanted to make sure that I had got that right. Okay. So, Eric, how are you? I'm doing all right. (laughs) Okay. So. (laughs) I also survived the uh, pandemic thus far and the bomb cyclone. (laughs) So It's a thing. (laughs) Things are good. Have you, did you get COVID? No. I I know. Knock on wood, right? Yes. Um, I have not either. Um, So that's a good thing. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Take me to Eric in second grade. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's far more recently than mine was. Um, What were you like in second grade? You know, I was was small. (laughs) Precocious. (laughs) Here. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I can tell you that I had two older brothers that were old enough that as the youngest, I, you know, was articulate and intelligent and knew my position of power as the only girl and the youngest in the family. And so I was savvy that way. And in second grade, I remember it being a big year because that's when I had my first Holy Communion, which, as you know, is like a hallmark of um, catechism and going through the Catholic experience Mm -hmm. with all of... um, with all of the sacraments. Um, I also had my ballet recital. I also had my big modeling moment, and it truly was a moment. I had, you know, best friends. Like, the world was my oyster. I was all over the place, and I was chatty, and I was creative. So basically, it was me now, but smaller. So my point is, and you've heard me talk about this with all the various shows that you produce that that I I'm a part of as well. I have this theory. So in second grade, like, were you into like technology things? Do you like, did you like being behind the scenes of things? Um, you know, introvert, extrovert, like, you know, at your core. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of questions there, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, t- you know, I kept up with, Technology, I guess, best I could, and, and being in second grade. I'm trying, trying to think how old even is second well, grade. Well, yeah, you have to go and you have to. So the way that I do it is I think about um, like who your teacher was. So it's a good way to figure out. I had like I see. I went to like three or four different schools in second grade. So I, oh. I'm trying to remember all my teachers' names gets a little bit tough. Okay, so that's but, telling right there. So uh, you moved a lot. Did you always move a lot as a kid? Um, yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. Okay, did you like moving? 
Not really, no. Yeah. See, I mean, we, you you make a friend, and then you know you move like three months later, and you don't right get to take that friend with you. So right, then it's like, oh, now I got to try and make another friend, which is hard enough. You know, it's so, so hard. I yeah. we moved. Um, I'm trying to think. I was born in one house. We moved very quickly to another house in Long Island. Moved after second grade, and then lived in one house from third through seventh grade. However, I did move schools in there. Um, I went from a public school to a parochial school. And then we moved after eighth grade to another house where my parents would live until uh, they retired and ultimately my dad's death. And then mom has now moved somewhere else. So as a kid, I always envied the people that didn't move at all. You know, I felt like I moved a lot. So the fact that you moved even more, I... I think that's can be so hard. And I I'm guessing that you were probably a bit of an introvert. I can't remember. How many siblings do you have? Uh that that's slightly complicated too. <laughs> Look uh, at me. I'm just yeah. like I asked you before the show, any topics off limit? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's not off limits. It's just it gets I mean, I I have a, a sister, a half sister. And then um, we kind of uh, adopted, but uh, they were foster kids, basically. Got it. uh, A brother and sister. Um, And so they lived with us for a while, um, but not my whole childhood. So, uh, yeah. I always wanted to do that. Um, When we used to, when we first moved here and we got the Seattle Times, they would have the Saturday's Child thing um, in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, hey, this kid is up for adoption and you know they've got some particular needs that you know this family would benefit or this child would benefit and so you know kind of like um be aware because there's always going to be the right family um did you like having foster siblings yes and no i mean i mean it's okay because it was it was you then so as an adult i'm sure you can like say it was great blah, blah 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 so that aside you yeah. know, your younger self, was that difficult? It was difficult, yeah. I mean, there were some good things about it for sure. Even then I could see the good things about right, it right. and and the bad things about it. Um, and these kids were, I mean, they're full-grown adults now, you know, but right. I, I were kind of estranged, unfortunately. So um, I don't know wh- how things turned out <laughs> for them, right. uh, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, they they had... I mean, being abandoned by your mother, not as an infant, but, it, you know, when you were, you know, fully formed, making memories and stuff is right. is tough and, and scarring for a kid. And, uh, you know, they they had a tough time, unfortunately. It's, so, it's yeah. really hard. Um, my brother and his wife adopted um, two of their three kids uh, when they were, I think, three and four. Um, and they adopted them from Russia. And... You know, you just you know that you have so much love to give these kids and you want to show them what life has the potential of being. And it goes back to that whole nature nurture thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that zero to three timeline for kids is so important. And so if they don't have, as you say, it's one thing when you're a baby. Um, However, if you become estranged from your parents or something happens after you've gone through some of that zero to three with attachment and modeling and all of that, it can be really traumatic. And 
it the fallout can be immediate, it can be delayed, it can be anything. So it's it's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- in second grade, uh, I was an only child at that point, <laughs> I should say. So, okay. Yeah. Got it. So there, there's, yeah, it's complicated on how many siblings I have. Right. But at this point in my life, if we're talking second grade, okay. I, was, I was by myself. All right. Okay. Um, did you get in trouble like I did in second grade for playing in the snow at your school? <laughs> no. I got in trouble because we... we you know, they would plow and they'd have these big mounds of snow mm-hmm. and you would still go outside even in the dead of winter and everybody was playing in the snow. And of course, Miss Fenton, our teacher, was like, by the way, um, you know, apparently the lunch people, the lunch ladies saw people playing in the snow and, you know, who did it? Well, I raised my hand because I was taught to tell the truth. I'll tell you what, never again. Because I was the only one that raised my hand, and then I had to eat my lunch at the back of the cafeteria where the older kids were, and it was awful. It was so bad. I know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But it's traumatizing when you're – like, because that gives a lesson of, like, you know – I, I, there should have been a reward for telling the truth. Right. Like, in a weird way, it's like I should have been, like, told, you know, guess what? You know, you don't have to do your homework tonight. And the rest of the class, because I know some of you are lying and, you know, whatever, now you all have to do extra homework. Adults get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway. Okay. Any any traumatic childhood things like that? <laughs> it's nothing but traumatic <laughs> childhood things like that. But not involving snow because I grew up mostly in California. Oh, that's right. I forgot um, about that. A little bit of time in Nevada, okay. so there was some snow, but that you had to work really hard yeah, for it. No, no problems there. Okay, all right. Now, what about Eric in high school? Uh, yeah. What about him? <laughs> well, what did he do? Like, there's all the different activities. Like, I was the so I went to an all-girls school, as we learned from the episode that I did with uh, both Joanna and with Raquel. That's right. Um, there was 34 girls in my graduating class so it was very small environment and sports that would be a no for me um i did have my one weekend soccer adventure i'm doing air quotes at the moment where i proceeded to break my big toe so that just confirmed what i already knew um but i was the arts kid so you know like the poetry um thing like i would help put together the literary magazine and i was the yearbook editor and uh, stage productions and things like that. So I was definitely the the artsy gal. What about you? Yeah, I would say I was kind of artsy. I went into high school just loving comic books and being all about comic books and music. And then I transitioned to just being like 100% about music. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. I was w- working on writing songs back then and, and learning guitar and so, okay, now yeah. what happened with that? Uh, Do you continue to play guitar? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Okay, and have you written any songs? Oh, yeah, yeah, lots and lots. And have you published them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, like, a publisher or anything, but, uh, you know, recorded them. And really? Stuff, what so. kind of vibe? You know, like, kind of post-punk, art rock kind of stuff. <gasps> Will you share this with me? 
Yeah, I mean, it might not be your cup of tea, though. Uh, so you don't know. I yeah, that's true. I don't know. I I listen to the Dead Milkmen. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then we might have something in common. So see, there you go. Yeah. Um, I still sing every once in a while that like um, I want to be a lifeguard. I want to save your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, any musical um, expansion that I did was because of my brother Peter. So while he was a huge Beatles fan, he was just a fan of music. And so he introduced me to to things other than what was mainstream at the time. And so would play things all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it exposed me to all different kinds of genres. And so I am a lazy music listener in that it's like kind of whatever is in front of me. However, you know, my kids listening to you know, rap or hip hop or Annie went through a very angsty phase or whatever their phases are, I can always find something that I like about it. So you're going to have to share this with me so that I can, I'm I'm not going to like give you my opinion because my opinion doesn't matter, but I want to hear it. Well, what were you listening to like in high school or Um, college? So curious, the foundations of your taste. I would say, um, because I was a lazy music listener, I was very, uh, the, the three things that I remember in high school doing very much from peer pressure were drinking Diet Coke. Because <laughs> of peer pressure. Yes. You were drinking I, Diet Coke. Literally, I started at my high school and all the girls were drinking Diet Coke, not Coke. And I was like, okay. oh, I guess I'm supposed to be watching my figure or something. So... I remember it took me two weeks to get over the taste of Diet Coke, and now I never gone back. Um, I smoked for about a week um, because a lot of my friends smoked, and I was like, well, I guess I should do this whole smoking thing. And then um, Brian, who would become my boyfriend, he was also on the show, um, he gave me, like, one of our first kiss kisses and was like, ooh, like, smoky. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'd rather be kissed than smoke. So that was that. Um, And then the third thing was music taste. So in the beginning, um, you know, it was like Duran Duran, right, and that kind of thing. Then when I started in, like, in late high school, I loved listening to what was considered older things at the time. Um, Like, I remember going through a big queen phase. And then I liked Peter Gabriel um, and Elvis Costello and thought that was cool. Um, I liked Yaz. I thought Yaz was really cool. Whatever happened to Allison Moyet, by the way? Um, She's still going. Is she? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to look up her stuff. Um, and, you know, just thought that was really cool. And then um, Brian and I were dating more steadily, and he introduced me to rap and hip-hop and that kind of thing. And so then I really started to appreciate that confluence of, like, different influences of, you know, old Motown and uh, blues and um, reggae and that kind of thing. Like, De La Soul, probably my single favorite album ever. Three Foot High and Rising? Oh, yeah. It's a really good one. Um, And you can't get it anywhere. Like, you can try to get the record or the CD or the tape, mm-hmm. but they have not released it to any streaming services. Probably because the uh, the sample clearance problem. Probably. Yeah. So um, so that was really big for me. Um, you know, loved that. And 
And it's always a weird thing when you say like, oh, I like all different kinds of music because that's usually a cop out. In my case, it wasn't really a cop out. It was true. You know, like when I started dating Pete, we would listen to tons of big band and um, and like the Rat Pack. So, you know, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, um, listening to Sammy Davis Jr., um, listening to Sam Cooke. Loved that kind of vibe. Um, and we still on Sundays listen to that type of music so yeah all right so what about you uh you know all kinds of stuff but mostly um in the indie area so it was smiths and joy division and the wolfgang press and art of noise and okay you know the weirdos so they weren't that weird i mean (laughs) the well the smiths and like and the cure were I actually when Annie was doing ballroom dancing, I had her um I was like, do a Viennese waltz to love cats. And she did, and it was awesome. I I like the um do you know the group that uh That was the cure, by the way. I mean the cure, thank you. Um do you know of postmodern jukebox, Scott Bradley? Yes, I've heard of it. Okay. So they do really fun things with different songs and they did a TED talk and he talked about how he also liked all different kinds of genres of music and he was always curious about what would happen if you changed the tempo or the vibe or how the singer approached it and those kinds of things. And so he takes um, what would be considered contemporary songs and he rearranges them so that they might have like a 60s vibe or you know something from the 20s or ragtime or um, Broadway vibe or whatever it is. And it's so cool the way that um, he does what he does. And the group of artists that come together to create some of these songs are so cool. So check that out. Okay, so now fast forward me. Did you go to college? I did. Where'd you go to college? I actually went to Clover Park uh, Technical College uh, down in Tacoma, or Lakewood technically. Really? Yeah. So for doing this kind of work? Yes. Yeah, okay. it was the radio program. I went uh, to community college at uh, Pierce uh, College for uh, a year or so. And then I realized, eh, this doesn't really pay into what I'm planning to do as a career. So I transferred to something that was just all about the career, and it worked out. So smart. I... I was talking about this with uh, uh, Zach. Um, you heard the conversation. The episode of Plateau Partners Pulse is actually going to play tomorrow morning um, at uh, from 9 to 10 Pacific Standard Time um, here on KKNW. And Zach Davis, who is the owner of Window Works, we were talking about, or I'm sure I was talking at him, um, <laughs> about... That was a good conversation. Thank you. Yes. Um, but basically about how, you know, the trades and service industries and, like, there's not enough kids that are steered in that direction. And True. I was saying that, you know, the world started out back in the day that everybody was in service or a trade. Mm-hmm. And college was really for the uh, wealthy elite. And now it seems like you have to go to college. And so now you know, technical colleges and people working in trades and services and those kinds of things. Um, there's not enough of people that are in those industries. Right. And um, that's a shame. 
and there's money to be made there, people. Yeah, I mean, I I think college is important. Education is always important, but I kind of wish it was more streamlined. Same thing with high school. You learn a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily need and doesn't, you know, pay off, uh, you know, with your career where you could be kind of condensing your four years or eight years or 10 years, some people, into more, into a smaller amount of time if it was actually just all about you know, the the field that you're focusing on. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, a broad liberal arts kind of uh, uh, education could be very helpful for some folks. But for a lot of people, you know, they'd rather just kind of concentrate on whatever, you know, skill they're right, looking like to go into. Right, life skills. Yeah. It's almost like it would be interesting. Um, and, of course, I'm, I'm literally thinking of this as I'm chatting about it. But you know, sophomore year of high school to sort of decide if you're going to go into like a, you know, college preparatory route right. um, or if you're going to go a different route. And not that you have to do one or the other, but this idea of exploring what other options are out there so that there's space in your schedule to explore them. And they, they're not, you know, what's considered like an elective, because for some people they may elect to do this and it should be their major, if you will. And, um, you know, it's it's just a shame that there's not more of that. And an argument that I keep making about, you know, my kids went through the Issaquah School District and Annie works in the Issaquah School District. Um, They spend a lot of time and energy working on social emotional learning, SEL. And that is great. It is important for kids to learn the consequences of their actions. It's important for them to know that perhaps because they're prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet, that they're not making uh, great decisions all the time. That's important. It's also important for them to learn about how to address an envelope. Uh, My kids, most of them might, like, I don't know that they know how to. I think Charlie would be like, what? I don't know how to do that. Or applying for a job if, you know, you have to fill out an application. A yeah. lot of jobs will still say, even if you're going in for a host, you know, submit your resume or your CV. Kids are like, I, I, I've never worked. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, the idea of collecting the things that you've done and selling yourself, um, learning how to open up a, a checking account or a savings account or like what uh, Ross Krauss talks on uh, the money seat about financial literacy for kids. I mean, these are all such important lessons that are not addressed nearly enough at home, and it's a missed opportunity to talk about them at school. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of basic life skills that uh, get left out, <laughs> unfortunately, of uh, an American education. And and there's plenty of stuff in there that people don't really, to be honest, need unless their career specifically calls for that. And then, you know, that stuff could have been learned during the course of for that. that career. Yeah. Right. So. Like foil method in algebra. Right. Where has that gotten me now? <laughs> I mean, I like nonstick foil. It's great. Right. But it has nothing to do with algebra. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I have an idea that we're, we're going to discuss, Eric. We'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. Can't wait.
Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Stacy Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects. It's her superpower. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. Okay, so before the break, I left things on a cliffhanger. I said that I had an idea. And during the break, I wouldn't tell Eric what the idea was because I just really need his full reaction. So, imagine this. We were talking about the the lack of education in things like the the life skills thing. Mm-hmm. So you know how there's Phoenix online. Yeah. Right. But like Phoenix College yeah. or university or whatever. Phoenix University yeah. online, yeah. So we do that version, but it's for life skills. So it's a cross between like you know, it's capsules of learning about different things with subject matter experts and you subscribe or you sign up and you take these classes. And with some corporation, you might be able to actually consider them like the way that they have uh, training and development modules and things like that. And so maybe you could get some credit for that or something like that. And it's like those the master classes that they have, except instead of learning to be Annie Leibovitz, you like can learn how to I don't know, just be Stacy Heller and like know how to actually balance your checkbook, right? Yeah, no, these are good ideas. And it could be all remote, so that you can do it whether you're uh, younger and you've got to do it after school, or you're older and you've got to do it, you know on your lunch break or after work or when Mm -hmm. you put the kids to bed. And it's like modules for these different areas. Trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that could be very helpful for a lot of folks. I do too. Yeah. What, like, what's an area that, um, like for me, it's the financial literacy thing. I am still, and I don't even think as much as I joke about my, my, I really think that should be a high school course, you know, financial literacy. I I yeah. agree. And, you know, and keeping it current, you know, sure, learning how to write a check. Okay, but when's the last yeah, I, time I I took a record keeping class uh in college or in high school actually, and it was an elective, but some of the stuff in there was just 
some of the most important day-to-day stuff. You know, right. balancing a checkbook right now, I mean, these days, that's not as important. But believe me, you know, 20 years ago, that was critical stuff. And, you know, um, just, you know, keeping track of finances now would be the equivalent of that. And there's so many easy ways to do it. But I see so many young people, unfortunately, that don't even have like a bank account. They they don't understand you know the benefits of that, um, and it's it's a shame. It and I is feel a like shame. well, they didn't get the education that they needed for basic life skills. Right, so, yeah. absolutely. And you know, and there's I suppose there's two philosophies when you're maybe have kids or you're mentoring somebody. You know, there's the um, there's the philosophy of like you don't do it yourself, and so you can't really you know tell your kids. Like for me, I don't have that financial literacy. I'm self-aware enough to realize that and to then say, okay, you know, dad's really good at this. Um, Actually, dad is not really good at this. Um, When I met Pete, he was like spent every dollar that he had. So we both had to learn together. Um, However, you know, then connecting the kids with the right way to do it and saying to them, here's the things that I regret. I wish that I had that financial literacy. I wish that I knew and understood things better. I wish I understood, you know, how credit cards worked before I ran some up. It's it's tricky. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, interesting, interesting. Okay, so now um, were you thinking when you went to technical school that you were going to do um, what you're doing now? Were you thinking you wanted to be a DJ? Because I could see you being that, like, 2 a.m. college DJ. My brother did this. Um, I literally was a two-way-up college uh, DJ. Yeah. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I knew it. Gosh, I'm good. That intuition. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally see you doing that. And like, you know, certain people like, oh, yeah. Like, did you have a name for your show? Yeah, I think it was. They didn't really let us do okay. like shows or whatever. It was actually, I mean, the at the time, the the radio program was really all about uh, working in commercial radio. So it's kind of different than a lot of colleges that offer radio stuff. Yep. You know, there it's kind of an afterthought and you can kind of do whatever you want basically right, right. within limits on the air. Um, this was really all about, uh, you know, working in commercial radio. So we had a strict playlist um, wow. and, you know, you, you didn't have shows or whatever. You just, you know, said your name and Played the tunes and talked oh. about the tunes and that so sort of thing. Did your voice change? Like, do you have? I always wonder this with like news anchors and people that are in radio. I mean, you do a lot of the news updates and traffic and weather and those kinds of things. Like, if I listened to your voice saying the same thing, I don't know, fifteen years ago, would it sound the same? You know, I would have thought it it would, but I've listened to air checks. <laughs> <laughs> from back then and uh no it doesn't sound the same it's it's a lot uh you know i i i don't know uh i i've never done drugs really in my life but i sound like i'm on some kind of pet pills <laughs> i think i think just the excitement of being on the air made me talk like 100 miles faster than i needed to um so that's something i had to learn over time to well, slow the heck down. Right. I mean, you know, you you learn that cadence yeah. and like, you know, the sort of talking to the people in the back and letting your voice catch up with it. Interesting. Okay. So then you didn't become the the DJ per se. 
You I, liked the behind the scenes? No, I did for a, a little bit. Um, I got a job up in Juneau, Alaska, working for an oldie station playing <gasps> music. And, um, this is so northern yeah. exposure of you. Yeah. Then I moved to Ketchikan, worked there for a little bit, doing the same kind of thing, except it was a AC station rather than an oldie station. And yeah, What's an and, AC station? Uh, adult contemporary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Like John Tesh. Well, it was more hot AC, I guess. So okay. more little, more you know, popular music, but like Billy Joel. not too much like hip hop, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Essentially, you know. Got it. And more recurrence, or you know, some older songs mixed in there, as opposed to just being all about the latest uh, pop hits. Interesting. So. Wow, so much to uncover. All right, we're gonna have to like have a second part that takes us from. Like there then to now, which do you like better? Do you like doing what you were doing then, or do you like what you're doing now? Uh, you know, I, they're both good. <laughs> they were both they were both good. I've been doing this, uh, you know, behind the scenes thing for like 20 years, so I must uh, must like it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, it's like you're the puppet master behind the scenes. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> and you learn a ton. I mean, the, the number true. of shows that you produce and the perspectives that you get, the information that you get, uh, you know, you've got a computer at your fingertips. I'm sure that your, you know, books are recommended or programs or food or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you've got like your own school right in front of you. There you go. That's kind of cool. I don't need the online course. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's not for me, though. It's, it's for the kids. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's for the kids. And I, I'm going to work on a logo. I'm going to work on a name of this. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my gosh. We're going to make mint. You ready for this? Getting into business with me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So it, it wouldn't be University of Phoenix. If maybe we, we could find another town to name it after. You know, That's true. University like, of Issaquah or something. Maybe. Or like Phoenix <laughs> from the Ashes or something. <laughs> I, you know, I never thought of that. Maybe that's what the University of Phoenix is. Oh, yeah. Uh, rising from the ashes of your destroyed career with an online course so you can come back better than ever. Maybe it is. N- this is not a commercial for them by any yeah, stretch because uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea if they're any good or not. I'm just yeah, spitballing you. for your idea. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. This, interesting, interesting. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on what makes sense for a name for our theoretical life skills uh, online university. Hmm. All right. See? It's good to have these problems. All right. Well, um, it's... You know, better than focusing on the bomb cyclone or the nor'easter that's currently pummeling the East Coast or the, you know, the famine that is happening or global warming or politics or all that stuff. So, um, gosh, on that happy note, (laughs) thank you for being my impromptu guest. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It is always so great to chat with you. And next week... Assuming my guest is able to come, um, my guest will be Harry Semkanye, and I am looking forward to that. He is a multi-hyphenate talent. Thanks for listening. Stay connected.